0: Our text is verse 15 where it says, uh, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Jesus himself came and walked along with them. Congregation of Jesus Christ, this is our first Sunday of Lent and this year, we're going to use the, the story of those who are walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, the sense of a, a spiritual journey. So here, here we have for us the road to Emmaus, that we have the sense of, of being on a journey. So there's the, the village of Emmaus. And here are the two people walking, walking from Jerusalem, Jerusalem where Jesus died on the cross. And they are, they are walking in sorrow back home to Emmaus. And along the way, that the, the, that's the tomb, that's the grave. And the, the thought of the, the grave along the way, because as we look at this journey, we are thinking of the journey of our lives. And in the journey of our lives, there's always a tomb along the way as well. Because death is always in, the, in the, the, the picture of the journey of our lives. That's the reality of sin. So there is the journey of our lives that always have a tomb. Our death is always a present reality. So our, our thought this, this Lenten season, looking at the death of Christ... Looking at, at our hope in him as we journey, that we recognize to our journey of faith through Lent and Easter. And especially with this particular text, that, that hope of how Jesus opens the hearts and the lives of those who are traveling to true faith. And so that, that sense too, as we make our way in our lives. That, that sense of faith central to us. So that's how it was for the, the two disciples who left Jerusalem on that first Easter Sunday evening. Unknowingly, they were embarking on a journey that was much more significant than they had realized. Initially, they were simply making their way to Emmaus, but it became a, a spiritual journey, a journey of, of moving from, uh, of transforming them from lives of of being perplexed and disappointed and discouraged, and most of all, sorrowful, but in the end, they they run back from Emmaus to Jerusalem with with the good news that, that the grave is no longer a threat to us. So so that journey of faith is what we are going to be looking at and how our Lord continues to work that out in our lives. Often we encounter and deal with much uncertainty and sorrow, disappointment, regret. So again in our lives today, Jesus wants to lead us into the true joy of his glorious resurrection and our salvation. So that'll be our theme through... The weeks of Lent. And we'll be reading uh, from Luke 24 uh, several times, taking several aspects of it. This morning we begin by setting the stage and understanding, first of all, when it says here in Luke 24, verse 13, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Luke 24, verse 13. On that same day. What day? Where are we here? This is the end of the Gospel of Luke. This is is Resurrection Day. This is Easter Day. The story that's told here is... A story that's set on that good and glorious day. And so we are actually taking our reflection of Lent and Easter from an Easter day perspective, which is very good. This day is Easter day. And that reality of Easter is actually the focus. The focus of Lent and Easter is not Lent. It's Easter. So all of our reflection through Lent will be on Easter. The resurrected living Lord on that day. That's the central day. And that's the central day for our living as well. We here today, we live every day in the assurance that the resurrected Lord is there, is living, is with us, and so that reality is is a beautiful part of, of looking at Lent and Easter. Using this text, this is Easter Day, and it gives us a constant Easter perspective that should constantly give us a, a perspective of of living and serving the risen Lord. Also. In this account, Jesus himself explains all that's happened and why things have happened and what is of significance in his whole life and death. And so that's also part of our being encouraged in faith in him as we see our living Lord with us every day. So that, in terms of setting the stage, realize, recognize this is Easter Day, and it affects every day of our lives. It says in Luke 24, verse 13, there were two people. On that same day, two of them. So the second thing is, who were those two people? Here we have, we have just, yeah, here's two people journeying on the road. Who were those two people? Well, we know one of them is named a little later. It's mentioned his name is Cleopas, verse 18. He was a follower of Jesus, not one of the 12 disciples, but there were, there were many, uh, up to 100, 120, at uh, uh, different times and different places, but there were many key followers of Jesus, and so he is one of them. We've not heard of him before. We don't hear of him again. Here he is, definitely a key follower, believer in Jesus. Who is the other person is the question, and it's uh, garnered quite a bit of discussion. Initially, in the early church, almost automatically though with really no evidence, the thought was it's Luke. Luke is writing, and Luke puts himself in the story. He's written a whole gospel, and now he's finishing it. And, and there's Cleopas, and then there's someone else. And Luke has in mind, oh, it's, it's actually me, Luke. And maybe Luke was traveling with this person. And, and, and so there is some discussion about that. No evidence for it at all, but interesting. The next most common uh, thought is that it's Peter. And it's the Apostle Peter. And that comes out of uh, a little later in Luke uh, 24, verse 34, where it says, and it's it's mentioned, uh, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. That's Peter. That's one of the accounts there. So then that must be here. And also 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And that's uh, an interesting thought. However, it, it doesn't fit with the account in Luke, because in Luke 24 verse 33 it says, the two of them, the two of them, after, after coming to Emmaus seeing the Lord, they run back to Jerusalem, and they report to the 11. It says specifically, these two run back and report to the 11 disciples, the apostles, and Peter would be one of the 11. So he couldn't be the one walking here. So, not Peter. Another thought that is is championed by a, a, a reformed Presbyterian pastor, James Montgomery Boyce. Maybe you've heard of him. He and others very, very nicely, humbly suggest it could have been Mrs. Cleopas. So instead of Two gentlemen, it would be a man and his wife, a man and a woman. And there is some evidence for that. There is the sense of Luke uh, 24, verse 29, where as they are traveling, then it says the two of them urge Jesus strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. So that that Jesus walking with them, they're walking back to their home, husband and wife. There they are. And they just say, Jesus, come stay with us. It's late. No problem. So possibly too. And Jesus had male and female followers, husband and wife teams, Priscilla and Aquila serving him. And so that is also a possibility. Also John 19 verse 25 is mentioned as the presence of this person near the cross of Jesus stood, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopaz, which is Cleopaz. Clopaz is very close and it's likely, possibly, probably similar. So there you have the wife of Cleopaz, and then they go home together after. Good Friday, on the Easter morning. So those are, those are all discussions about who was that person. Now, there is, in all of the discussions, a definite element of uncertainty. And I, I like that. I like it. We are not sure. We are really not sure. And that's okay. And the point of even Luke bringing this before us by the Spirit in this way is, is if, if we think of it too, who is this person? Could be a man or a woman. Both were followers of Jesus today too. Men and women here in the fellowship, in the church, are followers of Jesus. And then the sense of like Luke that we, we see ourselves in the story. So I would, I would want you to imagine, I would want you to reflect even on the year, weeks as we go by, as the two people are traveling along. One of these, them is Cleopas, the other is you. It's you on your journey. I think that's what it's, it's open to and that's what it's getting at. That us are on our life journey, we, <clears throat> we are traveling too on the road. We are on a journey of faith. And so we can see ourselves like these people, along with these people. We are invited in. That we imagine too. We are there. That we let the living Lord Jesus... Speak into our life journey. And that's the key thing, to let the Lord Jesus speak into our lives. An added element of that is the third question in terms of setting uh, the story here. Uh, We have there the village of Emmaus. Uh, Where exactly was Emmaus? It says it's seven miles from Jerusalem. Suggestion is uh, northwest. The historical effort to find it has failed. It's not evident today. It's not evident anywhere. So was it there? Yes, it was. Is it there now? No. If you want to go and find it, the closest you can come is is a town uh, called Amwas. And it's recorded in Roman history. It's not seven miles. It's about 20 miles from Jerusalem. And so, okay. Okay. But again the point is we don't even specifically have to be absolutely sure where it is right now. But but even the fact that that we, we might not know exactly where it is, I want to assure you and then the sense of the account as well that we know that the living Lord Jesus walks with us here. He walked with them there. Well, he walks with us here. So Emmaus was there. It was important at that time. Lacombe is here. And it's important now. And for those who who have sorrows and struggles and uncertainty and disappointments in their lives, the Lord walks with us here. So I don't mind the fact that there's uncertainty about Emmaus. There's there is clear certainty of the care of our Lord who walks with us. So that, that sets the stage a little bit for our uh, entering into the story. As we begin, the first thing we notice of the actual events that are taking place is the sense of sorrow. That is one key aspect of the journey. The journey is marked by sorrow. That's one thing we know about these two disciples. That they are sad. The text describes them standing there, their faces downcast. When Jesus addresses them. They stand still, their faces downcast. And no wonder... On, on many different levels, uh, Jesus, their dear friend, has died. When a friend dies, you are sorrowful. Jesus, their, their companion, their, their leader in terms of, of the things of faith and the things of God. And that's all gone now. So they are, they are distressed. They have given three years of their lives to follow him. learn and that's, that's all, guys, there's, there's disappointment, the whole, the whole business, so to speak, the whole focus of life is gone, so definitely there is great sorrow, that is a reality of the journey, we see that sorrow is also part of our journey. The good creation of God has turned from glory to the ruin of sin and death. And sorrow is a common refrain in our lives. There is a reality of the journey that it's always marked by sorrow. And I can just look through this whole congregation. And I can see and I know that everyone struggles in one way or another. There is absolutely no Getting away from it. The journey is marked by sorrow. And that reality of brokenness, of sadness, of heartache, of injustice, of death is always there. So, the first thing we need to recognize in this journey, in our life's journey, is that this is a fallen world, a world of sin identified by sorrow. And so realizing that and even realizing that God feels that sorrow too. Hear these words from Genesis 6 verse 6. Already early, early, early in the, uh, after the fall the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain, with sorrow. So that that reality, God himself feels. God himself is grieved by all the struggle and pain of this fallen world. So Luke 24, verses 19 to 21, describes it again in relation to the people on the road to Emmaus. There's that personal sadness. There's the sadness of the dream that has died, of the hope that is gone. And so... There is even just a feeling that, that uh, uh, Cornelius Plantinga puts it in his book. It, this is not the way it should be. Where well, you're going along in your life and you're thinking, wait, this is not the way it should be. Things should, should work out better. Things should be good instead of bad. There should not be sadness and pain. This is just not... The way it should be. So those hurts in the context of our faith. But also also to realize in this story especially. That we have have that sorrow. That sorrow was there. And sorrow can lead to despair and hopelessness. And that's seen in a very specific way in this story. Uh, Why are these two disciples walking on this road? at this time why are they making their way from Jerusalem at this time and it's not that while well, they were commuting they lived in Emmaus and they just commuted back and forth every week or you think well no they're they're just taking a holiday getting away for a week the picture here is they're leaving They are done with all of this. They are done with God and with Jesus. They are going away and they're not coming back. They are not coming back at all. They are journeying away from Jerusalem and away from God. They're giving up. And that happened their sadness, their confusion, their disappointment, their sorrow. They have given up on Jesus and on the disciples still in Jerusalem. They have given up on God. There's no salvation. There's no Redeemer. The whole project, the whole thing is not true for them. And that happens. It happens to us. It happens to people. When it's tough, when it's hard, when it hurts, when we are discouraged and disappointed in ourselves and in others and in God, when we experience hard times or tragic events, it can lead to giving up. And so the picture here is exactly that. These two people on the road away leaving everything behind, all aspects of faith. And so, in this story too, we are reminded in our journey of life, there will be disappointments, there will be sorrow, there will be struggles, and we too will be tempted to give up. Don't don't even be surprised by that. And don't be surprised that people say to you, "I'm, I'm giving up. Because life is not just fun and easy and fine. It's it's a false hope to always expect everything will be fine and all will go well. In my life, in my family, in my church, in my community. You will be disappointed. But even as every evidence proves that this is a world of sin and sorrow, even though everyone has a story that they can share. The wonder of Easter Day breaks in. Jesus himself, who suffered his whole life, we read in the Catechism, Jesus himself, who experienced suffering and death on the cross, it wasn't right, it wasn't good, how could this happen? Jesus himself comes to us, the living Lord, to those who sorrow. And it's just remarkable that, that this is the first thing he does as the risen Lord. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, it's, it's summarized initially in the first verses, but we didn't need to read those verses because here it says again, the two are speaking to Jesus and are saying the women went, and they, they went to the tomb, and he wasn't there, and then And some of the apostles went and they went. They didn't find him. Why didn't they find him there? Well, he was alive, of course. But why didn't they find him there to encourage them? Because he was here. Where does the risen Lord go first? He could go to them, encourage the women. He could go to disciples, encourage them. But these are, are completely distraught. These two people, they are giving up. And he goes to them first. And he speaks to them first. And he says to them, tell me the sad story of your life. Tell me the sad story of your situation. There's tremendous grace there because these disciples had heard Jesus say, I will rise again. But... But they didn't, didn't connect it together. And even with some of the hints, they still didn't get it. And he could have said to them, Come on! What's the matter with you? He doesn't say that. Just like he doesn't say to us. If we are wondering and worrying and doubting, he comes and he says, What, what is it that's, that's upsetting you? What is it that's worrying you? Tremendous grace. He remembers our human frailty, our very limited understanding, and he comes gently in hope to those who are sad. In this Emmaus story, one of the first things God reminds us of is that, especially in these times, we do not travel alone. What a wonderful, wonderful comfort. And so that's the text. Jesus came And walked alongside them. And just simply pretended ignorance, though he knew every detail. And he simply said to them, tell me, tell me what it is that's bothering you. And so as we think about that, as we reflect on that, that that we recognize too that our calling as followers of Jesus... That we have to to walk with him in two senses, first of all, first of all to to receive him as, as one who walks with us and to see in that that we are called as the followers of Jesus to walk with one another that 's the clear application that when people are hurting, when they 're struggling, when there 's sorrow, when there 's disappointment, when there 's sadness that we make every effort as a faith community, as as fellow believers, to walk with people in those times. And that's a huge calling. That's a huge part of, of sharing and being the love of Jesus to those around us. And that is what we see here too, that we are that caring, compassionate presence. And then on the other side if we are struggling when for those who are struggling the the sense is too that we don't walk away from the fellowship of believers so there's a a bit of a, a warning here too that as we journey along as these are journeying along in their... So they're walking away. They're walking away from the disciples. They're walking away from Jerusalem. And in that, Charles Swindoll comments on this passage. And he points out quite correctly that, that sometimes we as Christians allow ourselves to get, get completely caught up in our struggles. And they are difficult. And there's no doubt about it. But do not walk away from... God's grace to you. Do not walk away from the fellowship, from believers, from this church. Instead, engage things of faith and move towards them. And there, too, God will work in mighty ways. So imagine yourself in the story. We are part of this story. And we're going to continue to look at it as we go through these weeks of Lent till Easter. That our life journey includes sorrow, there's no doubt. And that we ourselves continue to come to the Lord, come to his table, come to his word, gather in worship, lift our hearts in prayer. And that he continues to come to us as we also seek to encourage one another. Our God says, I come and I walk along with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence and we thank you for your love in Jesus Christ. And we thank you that that love continues to flow into this sinful, broken world of which we are a part. And we thank you too that even in brokenness and difficulties, we can be sure that you are there. Lord, it is just so comforting to know that. Lord, we pray that we would continue to experience that individually and as a fellowship. That in our lives, too, you would walk with us each day. In your precious name, amen. We're going to sing as a song of response.